Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Thank you, Lord. You know, if you haven't seen uh, the manifestation of your healing yet, keep that doesn't change the word of the Lord. That he is our healer. By his stripes, we are healed. We just keep walking in that, that promise. And there was a number of folks this morning who testified about healing and just how the Lord was speaking to them. I love that. You know, we don't always take time in the moment to just hear the testimony. Sometimes we do, but not always. So it's great to hear the, the testimonies. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Psalms chapter 2. Let me see your Bibles this morning. How many of you have your Bibles, your devices, whatever you're using to get to the word of the Lord this morning? Amen, amen, amen. Love it. I have, I have my Bible. My, I love my Bible. I love it. Psalms chapter 2. Last week, we started looking at Psalms chapter 1. This morning, I'm going to continue on with Psalms chapter 2 and just dive in, teach a little bit. But in Psalms 2, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision, and then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill, Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges on the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. I don't know, maybe you uh, turned on the news lately, maybe you've seen things happening in the world around us, but the kings, the leaders, the government leaders all around us, the nations of the world are conspiring against the Lord and His anointed. This, this is not a, a new phenomenon, this is nothing new that the enemy would work against the Lord's anointed and try to stop the, the plans of the Lord, but we know that the Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. He sits in the heavens and he sees the work of the wicked against his anointed and he laughs. You say, well, does the Lord take pleasure in, in the oppression and the, the offenses of his people? You know, I think sometimes we have too narrow uh, of a landscape, but too narrow of a vision. Does the Lord take pleasure in that when we see verses like this? The Lord sits on his throne and laughs because not, not that he's taking pleasure or delight in the offense towards his people, but just as Christ, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. You see, you got to change your perspective this morning. David talked about the rise of the nations against the Lord's anointed, but he, here he says the Lord holds them in derision. He holds them. He laughs at them. Why? The very next verse says that he has set his king on his hill. The Lord is reigning in Zion today. Jesus Christ is seated on his throne reigning in Zion today. <coughs> I left my water down. 
we're in that wonderful time of year that all of the dust and pollen wants to play with my throat. But the Lord has set his king upon his holy hill. He's ruling and reigning. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that the Lord is ruling and reigning today over every principality, over everything in our lives. There's not one thing today that the Lord is not concerned with. It says in verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 1, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Right now, he's ruling. He's not distracted by the things of this world. He's not caught off guard by, by the, uh, the taunts and, and the mockery of the, of the wicked. His throne is not moved today. His, his reign is not, uh, is not shaken today. Come on, I, I wish somebody would help me out this morning. His reign over your life, his rulership over your life is not shaken by the plans of the wicked. But he's holding and ruling all things. Far above every rule, verse 21 says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the age to come. He has put all things, everybody say all things. He's put all things under his feet. So today, just as Psalms 2 says, that I have set my king, verse 6, on my holy hill. He's, he's ruling and reigning over your life. It says that, that the wicked are plotting. The wicked plot against the righteous. But the Lord, it says in the, in the very last verse, blessed are those who put their trust in him. The Lord is their refuge. In Psalms chapter 1, we see that the Lord plants us like trees, that the righteous are planted like trees by the waters of delight, the waters of, of, of his presence. In Psalms chapter 2, he's holding us in a refuge, that he has become our refuge. We're planted of God and he is our refuge. In Psalms chapter 1, we see the progression of the wicked. In Psalms chapter 2, we see God dealing with the unrighteous. In Psalms chapter 1, we see that the ungodly are blown like the chaff, that the wind is driving them away. And in Psalms chapter 2, the Lord is laughing at their mockery. It's like the worm telling the creator how to do his job better. God sits on his throne and he laughs at the mockery. So when you are faced with difficult seasons, when the enemy seems to be coming in like a flood, know that the Lord is still sitting on his throne, lifting up the standard, the standard of the cross against him. Know that when, when things seem to get rough, and know that when life seems to be in the hurricane, that your anchor goes deep, that the throne of the Lord is not moved, the reign of Christ is not shaken, and that you're rooted in Christ today. I can have joy in the middle of uncertainty because Christ is ruling and reigning on the throne. Like Paul wrote to Timothy, now to the king, immortal, invisible, the eternal, only wise God, be blessing and honor and glory forever. I know, just like Paul told Timothy, he's ruling and reigning today in my life. 
So when things get uncertain and the wicked rise up against the anointed, and they will, and it, it will only increase, and the wickedness of this world will only increase, but know that Christ is still reigning over all things. The Lord's sitting and laughing over that. He's, he's not moved. The, the joy of the wicked is short-lived. The joy of the wicked is, is temporal. The Bible says we find pleasure in sin, but only for a moment. The, the path of the wicked is only joy for a moment. But the joy of the Lord is eternal. The joy of the Lord that is my strength is an eternal joy. It's a joy that I can drink from, from the ages. It's a pleasure. It's a, it's a delight that I can pull up to the rivers and be planted in and drink from and sit under the refuge of heaven and drink of his delight. That's the joy of the Lord. It's, it's not just an idea, but it's something that I can receive more of in my life, that I can drink in and be changed by. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. There's joy for you today. There's joy in His presence for you today. There's joy when the, when the enemy is raging about you. The Bible says in Psalms 23 that He prepares a table before me in the presence of my even people who don't like me, there's a table prepared for me. There's a feast of his presence in the wilderness for me. He anoints my head with the oil of joy today. There's an oil. There's an oil of joy pouring over me today. There's an oil of joy. The same joy, the same anointing that's flowing from the Father today can flow on you and me today. He sits in the heavens. I love that. He sits in the heavens and laughs. He holds them. He sees that verse. If you take the Hebrew, the original uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 4, that he holds them in derision. He sees what it, what it says there in the Hebrew is he sees their mockery and he laughs. He sees their mockery and he laughs at it. He's not... He's not thrown off by it. He's not worried. Oh no, the, the, the rulers of this age are plotting against the, the anointed. Yeah, it even says, I love this, in verse 3, it says that the, the wicked are saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from them. In other words, we, we, don't, want, we don't want their restrictions. We, the, to, to the righteous, the, the bondage of the Lord is light. He says, take my yoke upon you, my burden is light, it's easy. He says, exchange, we know for the righteous, the burden of the Lord is, is holiness, it's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy. But to the unrighteous, to those who are perishing, it's, it's the chain, it's the bondage, it's the weight that ties them to their sin. And they're saying, let's, let's get rid of that, let's, let's be our own gods, let's do what we want, let's live how we want. But, but to the righteous, we find delight in the bondage of the Lord. That's what, that's what uh, Paul talked about. He was a bond servant. He was, he was tied to the work of the Lord. It wasn't a weight around his neck, but he had become a bond slave, a bond servant to the Lord. That, that this was his delight, this was his joy to be frapped, to be wrapped up in the, in the love of the Lord and the calling of God on his life. So to you and I, the, the bondage, the things that look to the world like, like a weight, 
like about why do you pray? Let me let me just give. Why do you pray so much? Why do you have to read your Bible? Why do you go to church? Why do you have to give? Anybody heard those things before? It's it's not a weight to me to give tithes and offerings. It's not a noose around my neck to worship the Lord. It's the delight of my soul. The Lord is sitting and ruling and reigning and laughing at the wicked, and I find my joy in His delight. You know, we, we get our eyes on, on the things, the temporary things. And when we hear about the, the Lord laughing, well, how could he laugh at the wickedness? And, and we see things through temporary eyes. We see things, we see the landscape around us through temporary uh, circumstances. But the Lord is changing. When we, when we look at him on his throne and we see him in his delight, when we see him in his pleasure... Heaven's not a grumpy place today, friend. Heaven, the, the, God is not sitting on his throne angry and upset and spitting out lightning bolts from his throne to strike everyone dead. He is happy and sustained in his joy today he, because he's, he's ruling. When you're ruling and reigning and your glory is holding all things in, in creation, your glory is holding all things together. Why be stressed? Why be worried? Why be angry? Because the very word, the very essence of who you are is holding it all together. He's happy in himself. He's happy in his glory. It's not an arrogant glory. You know, when we hear things again, we, we process, process that through the natural mind that oh, God's arrogant. No, <clears throat> he's absolutely the most humble. The humility of God is who he is. But he knows in that his glory, he delights in his glory. He delights in who he is because he knows it's the very thing that holds his creation in place. It holds your life together. That glory of who he is. It was for his glory, Isaiah says, that you were created. You were formed by and for the glory of the Lord. It's the very thing that holds you together. And so he delights in who he is because it's what holds your life in order. It's for God so loved the world that he gave. It's the glory of God that holds it all together. Your life is not suspended in chaos today. Did you hear me? Your life is not, it may feel like it sometimes when, when the wicked are, are, are roaring and, and plotting against you. It may feel like you're suspended in outer space with, with no anchor. It may feel like when the storms of life in the natural mind, it may feel like the storms of life have got you out on the ocean sinking in a vessel that, that has a great hole in its hull. But that's not the reality today. I said that's not the reality today. That's not the reality of your life. Your life is held in order today by the word of the Lord, by the glory of his presence, of who he is. Your life is held in order by his glory. He's sitting, ruling on his throne today over your life. He has, verse 6 says, yet I have set my king on my holy hill. He's placed Christ Above all things, he's the sovereign Lord, the omnipotent God, the all-powerful one who's seated in the heavens today. He's not seated, he's not ruling from an earthly throne, thank God. He's not seated ruling from some elected office. 
Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. He's not seated from some elected office ruling from some presidential seal. He's the Almighty who's ruling from His Word. His throne is not shaken. It's eternal from everlasting to everlasting. Our God is ruling and reigning over your life. He's the omnipotent one today in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And our response. I love this. David David talks about the response of the righteous. When we see him in his glory, when we see who he is, when he's sitting above us, delighting. He's delighting in you today. Good God, that's awesome. God, my creator is delighting today in his workmanship. You might be here this morning saying, I, I'm a mess. I've, I've got it all messed up. I've, I've broken the law. I've broken the word of the Lord. I've, I've broken my marriage. I've hurt this. I've hurt this person. I've, I've done this. I've done that. The skeletons in your closet are taunting you. But I, I want to tell you, the Lord sits in heaven and he's laughing today. He's delighting and he's found his joy in you. When those who mock even your own conscience might be mocking you today, might be mocking the work of the Lord in your life today. That's why we have the hope in Hebrews that says he cleanses my conscience clean. He washes the blood, washes away every skeleton, every shame, every guilt, every sin is washed in his blood and removed, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. That's why he sits today and laughs and delights in his creation. You don't have to sit in the bondage of the lie. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. You don't have to sit in the bondage of your lie, the shame and the guilt any longer. It's time to walk in the joy of the Lord. You need, when you start, when, when you're walking down the road or going to the office or doing whatever it is you do, and the enemy starts mocking and taunting, you need to start laughing. I dare you, you just need to start laughing. When that lie starts to come out, you're this and you're that, you just laugh. Just have a good laugh. You say, well, I don't feel like laughing. Laugh anyway. You might, you know, <laughs> we used to have this thing growing up. You, well, you got to dance in the spirit. Anybody heard that? You got to dance in the spirit. I don't know about you. I have never danced in the spirit. I, I'm, I'm usually in my body when I dance. I've, I've never been outside of my body dancing. So you, it's got to start in your flesh. It's got to start in your body. You may not like to laugh. You may hate laughing. That's okay. Laugh anyway. Ha ha. Ha ha. That's why James says you got to command yourself to be in a place of joy. Yeah, James 1, 2, if you go read it, it says, Brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, I love it, it's one of my favorite. Command yourself to be in a place of joy. Sometimes you got to command yourself. You're not going to listen to this lie. Self, you're not going to walk in this path of the lie. You're going to laugh. La laugh over the devil. Laugh over the wicked. If God's sitting in heaven and laughing, why can't I? We want to come to the altar and have a good cry, but why not have a good laugh? Tell somebody next to you, say, you need to have a good laugh. <laughs> so, 
Ha <laughs> 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 ha. Some of you are getting it this morning. <laughs> you don't have to continue on in depression. Laugh over that. When you feel like you want, you say, well, I don't. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. Science, I like science. I like neuroscience. Actually, neuroscience will tell you today that if you will laugh, even if you don't feel like laughing, neuroscience will tell you that even if you laugh, it will cause your brain to align and make you feel like you're happy. Even when you don't feel like laughing because you've made yourself. So that's a biblical principle that neuroscience has actually picked up on in our generation. And they say, if you just laugh, you just, even if you don't, even if it's not real, you just start somewhere. It'll become, you know, we used to say you got to pray through. <clears throat> you ever felt like not praying through? Ever felt like not you used to grab hold of the horns of the altar. I am so thankful we never had horns on our altars. <laughs> Around here, it would be really dangerous. You might fall on something and get hurt. We're glad we don't have horns on the altar around here. But you got to grab hold and pray through. Sometimes you don't feel like it, but what do you do? You start praying in the Spirit. You just start. And it might seem like rough, like, oh, no, no, I don't feel like it. But the more you do it, you just start pressing in, pressing in, pressing in. And it's like priming, it's like pushing the primer on the lawnmower. You just keep pushing it. All of a sudden, there's streams of living water flowing out of your innermost being. I, I, I think sometimes we get so stuck. And the Lord's just saying, would you just activate what you already know? Would you just activate what you already know? I'm sitting in heaven and laughing for the joy that said, I've got this. In other words, God said, I've got this covered. I've got your life covered. When the wicked rise up against you, I've got you covered. Your refuge is in me. Blessed are those who take refuge in the Lord. You've got every blessing, prosperity upon your life. Just activate what you already know. That's good stuff. That'll preach. You're... the. You know, if you go back to Psalms chapter 1, whatever the righteous does shall prosper. Whatever you set your hand to, commit it to the Lord. Everything that you do will prosper. I, I, if I look around and I, I look at people's life, I can tell testimonies. Of, I don't know everyone in the room, but most of the folks I do. And I can tell you testimony after testimony of the blessing of the Lord on people's lives in this room. How the Lord has prospered you. And brought you out of maybe some mess. Come on now. And has blessed your life. Uh, come on now. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. Everything you do, everything you set your hand to will be blessed. It will prosper. And when the enemy rises against you, when they're plotting against you, Psalms 2 says, blessed are those who put their trust, you take refuge in the Lord. You're blessed. You're prosperous. You say, well, I don't see the blessing. I don't see. because, Well, where are you taking refuge? I haven't experienced that in my life. Well, where are you taking refuge? Are you taking refuge in the blessing of the Lord? Are you taking refuge, putting your trust in the Lord? Have you put your trust in your own strength? Psalms 2 tells us how we ought to respond, how the righteous are to respond. It says in verse 10, 11, and 12, serve the Lord with fear. Serve the Lord with reverence, with awe. When's, when's the last time you just found yourself in awe of the Lord? You know, when I see God, when I look and I see him laughing on his throne, delighting in, in his goodness, delighting in his glory, and I, I worship him. You know, we were singing this morning, you know, about the glory of his presence. When I just, I, I, could, I could have stayed there all day. 
We could have just put that song on Pastor Grace. We just put it on repeat and just worship. Why? Because I'm in the glory of his presence. I see who he is. I'm in awe of him. I'm in awe of his majesty. I'm in awe of his, his character. I'm in awe of his glory. I'm in awe of his beauty. I'm in awe of his shalom, his peace. I'm in awe of his joy. I'm in awe of his righteousness. I'm in awe of his mighty works. I'm in awe of all that he called me, has placed his grace upon my life. I'm in awe that he could take me and out of, out of my mess and create something in me, make me his workmanship. I'm in awe. So we reverence him, we worship him in awe, we worship him, we serve him in awe, and we rejoice, the Bible says, with trembling, that we, we're, we're in awe, we're in fear, we rejoice with trembling, that he's called us, that he's chosen you and I to come boldly, the Bible says in Hebrews, before the throne of grace, to cry out to him in our time of need. That, that there is a place, Hebrews tells us, there is a place that you and I can go when, as Psalms 2 says, when the wicked are plotting against us, when the enemy is rising up against us. There's a place that you and I can go that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can serve him. We can rejoice before him. You know, the, he's called us in. The, this verse following says, kiss the son. Lest he be angry. The, the kings of old would hold out their scepter. If you were to enter in before the, the, the king, you would have to kiss their scepter. It was an act of reverence. It was an act of fear that they were inviting you in. And so we've been invited in to come boldly to rejoice before him. I want you to get this picture that we can come in before the ruler, the creator of the world. We can come boldly before him. And rejoice before him to dance and to spin about wildly. I don't know. I don't know if I were to walk into the president's Oval Office, I might not dance and spin about wildly. You, you know, there's an expectation. You've got to. You've got to have some decorum, and 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 maybe there's some of that in some churches. But 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 that's not the invitation you and I've received. That's not that's not the invitation that I've received. He's invited me to come boldly before his throne to dance and to rejoice, to spin about wildly, rejoice before him. That's good news. And he says to kiss the son, that he's called me in. I love Song of Solomon. It says, let, me, let him kiss me. A Song of Solomon 1-2, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, that, that as Psalm says, I, I might kiss the son. Let him kiss me that I might kiss him. The the exchange of intimacy between you and Christ, that he's called us in to worship at his feet. That's our response, to come in to serve the Lord and to rejoice before him, to kiss him, that we're blessed by taking refuge in him. I love, uh, if we keep diving in here, I'm going to take a detour here. Verse 8 says, ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. This is a, this is a messianic prophecy about Christ. It says, ask of me, because if you, if you read the preceding verse, verse 7, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Jesus, the begotten of the Father, the Son of God. So this is a, this is a messianic prophecy. In verse 8 it says, ask of me. 
and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. The Hebrew there actually says, ask of me. And I, the, the, the way that it's worded is that this was a predetermined inheritance. The way that it's worded in the original is it's a predetermined ask, and I will give you what was already promised. Ask, I will give you the inheritance. What, who's the inheritance of the Lord? The nations of the earth. You and I are the inheritance of Christ. The, the, those who are saved, being saved. We are the inheritance of Christ and the earth for his possession. That Christ that said, give me my inheritance. So you are the inheritance of the Lord. Have you thought about that? That I am the inheritance of Christ. And I am promised, not only are you his inheritance, but you are promised an inheritance in Christ. You are joint heirs, co-heirs with Christ. A co-heir is someone who's been promised to receive something as an heir. You're, it's a you know, brother, sister, you're co-heir. Brother, brother, you're co-heir, you've been promised something. The same thing that Jesus gets, you get. The same thing, every promise, you get. That's why, oh goodness, if you flip over Acts chapter 2, we see the, we see We see the beginning of the, uh, what, what, is, what are you promised? I love this. Oh, my goodness. This is, I'm sorry. I'm way off my notes. Media, just hang with me. I know. They're, they're like, where are you going? I've been all over the place today. <clears throat> I, what, what is the inheritance? What is the, let me use a different word. What is the promise? Uh, some of you got it right there, right? When I said that, what is the promise? What's the inheritance? Luke chapter, well, I'm going to, let me go to Acts. Acts will say it all. Verse 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received, having received, Jesus being exalted to the right hand of the Father, had received something. He received the promise. So before the foundations of the world ever were, before the, before the foundations, we know that there was, a, there was a, an agreement between the Father and the Son. Before the foundations, First Peter says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like the lamb without blemish or spot. He was, verse 20 says that he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, the plan of redemption was in place. Before the foundation of the world, the, the manifestation that was to come for your salvation and mine was in place. But attached to that was a promise. Jesus spoke of it. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you have received the promise of the Father. Are you tracking with me now? So there's an inheritance that you and I are to receive. And we're not talking about money. You know, we, we get so caught up on money, but money's nothing. He, when, when, you, when you build a city out of gold and pearls and sapphire, you, money, money's not, a, it's not an issue. 
Money is something that we use. It's a tangible thing to accomplish something in this life. It's eternal, no value. It's, it's construction material. It's, it's been no, no value. It's, it, when, when you created it all, those things mean nothing. It's beauty. It reflects part of your glory. But the greater, the greater display of the glory of the Lord is not what he created. It's you. The display of his glory, the greater display of the glory of God is not what he's created. It's you. Creation, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, is crying out for the revelation of something. Romans 8 says that the creation, things that we say, wow, that's beautiful. Brandywine Falls or the Niagara Falls or the trees and the, the, the mountains and all those things. We see all the beauty of the Lord. Wow, that's beautiful. But the Bible says in Romans 8, those things are crying out for the revelation of what? The sons and daughters of God. The greatest display of the glory of the Lord is you. So the, the things in heaven, the inheritance that we're inheriting, it's not about jewels and stones and things that are perishing. Even eternity, there will be a new heaven and new earth. The things that we see in this life are going to burn. Things that we're like, wow, that's all gone. But the one thing that will continue through the ages. Okay, your inheritance. Let me get back. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received promise. The promise had been made that had been made is now being received. The promise having received from the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. What was happening? It was Acts chapter 2. It was the day of Pentecost. So what were they seeing and they were hearing? They were hearing the 120 in the upper room praying in tongues. They thought they were absolutely drunken mess. And Peter stood up and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So what is the inherent part of our inheritance as believers is the promise of the Holy Spirit. He will he will be with us through the ages. Jesus said, I've sent to you another helper, one just like me. He will be with you. He will never leave you. He is walk. The Holy Spirit is walking with you and I and never will leave even in eternity, he ain't going nowhere when the trumpet sounds. Guess who's going to turn gravity loose off your body? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. So the Holy Spirit, you need to be familiar with your inheritance. The promise of the Father. <coughs> so. I, I took a side journey there into Acts because I wanted you to understand Psalms chapter 2 when, when God says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. It, notice it does not say the Jewish people. 
the nation of is nations plural. I will give to you. There was an outpouring. There was an inheritance that was to happen. David saw through the ages of time that not just a, a Jewish people, not just his his uh, lineage, but there was nations. There was there was an outpouring of the Spirit that would take place that would draw all men. From all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all nationalities. It was going to draw all men to the Father. That's why, can I, can I just say, I mean, I'm not going to ask, I'm just going to say it. There, you know, there's, there's this whole turmoil right now in, in our world and our culture about race. There's no race problems in the Bible. It says every tribe, every tongue, every nationality you and I have been made into one race, a God race, a heavenly kind of race. He's called out of the nations of this world and made us a peculiar people, chosen by him. So, so, so yeah, of all colors and all, you know, people say, well, I don't see color. Well, God does. He made it. He sees every color, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. You learned that as a child, right? He designed, he created it and called us out, all nations. So when the nations of the world are conspiring, this is, it's all a, it's all a plan. Everything that we're seeing happen is a, it is a plan to throw off the morality of the gospel and God's rule. But friend, it isn't going to work. There's a day coming where Jesus Christ is going to split the eastern side. <laughs> and then those of us, those of us who are dead and those of us who are alive are going to be caught up with him in the clouds. And we will ever be with him. And there's coming a day where he will set up shop on this earth and rule and reign with you and I. You and I are going to reign together with him. Having our inheritance. Having the nations of the earth. This is good stuff. I have a lot more notes, but I got to wrap this up. He says, you shall break them with a rod of iron and you will dash them to pieces like a potter's wheel. Why are we not worried? If you if you go to Revelation, one of one of the verses in Revelation, when you see God worship team, y'all can come back. When you see the judgment of the Lord. On the earth. When you see his judgment, the Bible says that the blood will flow in the streets up to the up to the the horse's legs, up uh, up to the thigh. You'll see the, the judgment of the Lord. So he's not worried about the work of the righteous and the evil against you today. Take refuge in the Lord. Find your joy and your delight in the Lord. And what you will find yourself saying is, Lord, have mercy. You'll find yourself praying and interceding, blessing those who persecute you. Remember that? How's that? Have you ever said, how's that possible? How to bless those who persecute? Because you have a different perspective. You see things from an eternal perspective. You see the, the, the joy. You, find, you have found your delight in the Lord, but you know the judgment that's to come. You see God who's sitting in the heavens laughing, ruling and reigning over all things because you know he delights in his glory, and the same glory that finds joy is the same glory that demands justice. The same, I don't, I don't have time to unpack that, but that, that's, a, that's a whole powerful thought too, is that the, the same glory that demands joy 
and brings joy is that same glory that demands justice for his people. Justice, I can't just leave you hanging. I have to give you something. Justice for sin was paid at the cross for your sin. To those who accept Christ and his finished work on the cross, justice for sin was dealt with at the cross. The justice for the murder of Christ and the evil perpetrated against his people will be dealt with in the day of judgment. So when we find ourselves in the joy of the Lord and we're delighting in him, we also have the same perspective that God will execute vengeance on those who rise against him and in his anointed. So I don't have to worry about the people who want to gossip about me or talk about me. or the, I don't have to worry when the enemy tries to plot against me. I'm not worried about those things. Greater is he who's in me. Greater is he who's in me than he that's in this world. I don't have to worry about that. Why don't you stand with me? I'll tell you a quick story. Heather will throw something at me because I'm telling you a story. <clears throat> we were out of town this past week visiting family, seeing my, seeing my parents. And uh, we were, there was this old store that had been there since the 1800s, and I wanted to see what they had done with it. So I just, I'm just talking about who greater is he who's in me. I loved it. It was, it was awesome. So I wanted to see what they had done with the place, see what it was. And I told my parents, I said, I want to walk down there. And they're like, oh, you don't want to go in there. I'm like, yeah, but I want to see what they've done. I want to see where, what's, what the place is like now. You're not going to like it. One of the guys, we were walking towards it. One of the, there was this guy that came out and stopped my dad and said, you don't want to go in there. It'll cost you something. So now my interest is peaked. I'm like, you can't say those kinds of things and tell me not to go in. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. And uh, so I said, the, the family and all went back to the car. And I, I poked in my head in to see what it was all about. So I walked in. And it was all metaphysical witchcraft kind of stuff. And I thought, what on earth did I just walk into? I mean, I have never in my life, and we've, being from New Orleans, we've seen some weird stuff. And I had never in my life seen anything like And it was beyond anything. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm just, I, I'm doing a quick perusing around the store, just what on earth is all of this, you know? And by the way, I don't advise you just to go walking into uh, witchcraft stores. As I, I didn't know, but really fully I was walking into. And, um, and in all honesty, but I got a phone call and I stepped out and I, I'm walking out the door. And this was the is funniest thing ever. This is the whole reason why I'm telling this story. I'm walking out the door, and I'm like, I, the whole time I'm there, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that I, you could sense the atmosphere was just absolutely demonic. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I am not worried about this one bit. This is hilarious. <laughs> you sit in the heavens and laugh. You're laughing over this depravity. Lord, just set them free. And, I get, and I'm walking out the door, <clears throat> and here comes this woman, one of the fortune tellers, with her little sage stick following me around. <laughs> trying to clear out the, the anointing, trying to get out the anointing as I'm walking out the door. I'm like, 
It's okay. It's okay. You don't, you don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> I wasn't worried. I, apparently, I've messed up their mojo. I don't know. Lord sits in the heavens and laughs, <laughs> even when we don't know what we're walking into. He's got it. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that you're ruling and reigning today. We thank you, Lord, that we can delight ourselves in you, that you are our refuge. You're our strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Thank you, Lord. We're running. Lord, we live in the place of your safety. We live in the place, our, our refuge in you, Lord. Father, I thank you that every person in this room today, Lord, Lord, the seeds that have been sown, the word of God would produce much fruit in their life. Lord, they'll walk in their refuge. Lord, they'll walk, they'll live in their refuge. Lord, they'll not find themselves anxious and worried, caught up in the plots of evil men, not worried about the wicked as they plot against them and as evil's on the rise, Lord, we know that Jesus, you're reigning by the word of your power. We have confidence in Christ today. Thank you, Lord. You know, today, if you're watching online or you're listening online or you're here in the room, you can find your satisfaction, your delight, your joy in the Lord. The Bible tells us that there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus. Today, he's ruling all of creation. Today, he's ruling over your life. The steps of the Lord, his steps have ordered your life. He's directing your path today. That you tune in online or hear this, the audio of this, or be here in the building. And if he's not your Lord today, if he's, he's not the source of your joy, right where you're at, you can say, Jesus, forgive me. Right where you're at, you can say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior. Forgive me. Wash me. Be my joy. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're listening. You've, you've exchanged, you know. Maybe you've, instead of finding your joy in the Lord, you've exchanged that. And you've been looking to other things to satisfy. Maybe looking towards success or earthly things that really don't matter. But when you find your delight in the king who's laughing over the wicked, when you find your delight in the one who's ruling and reigning, all those things are just added blessings. He's the source. You can say, Lord, I want you to be my joy. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Let me laugh again in you. Let me delight again in you. Fill my mouth with laughter and my tongue with shouts of joy. Lord, I want to delight in you. Jesus. Jesus. 
bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord.